All right, man, that's Corey Bendix. He has a better hairline and a better beard than me. So I'm envious in every way. Um, I'm excited that he's going to be with us next Sunday, bringing the word here at Luminous Church. And I think this is a great opportunity to invite somebody, invite a friend next Sunday, because I really believe that he's going to share a word that will be relevant for you and the friend that you bring as he talks about what it means to embody grace and what does it mean to love out loud. As we begin to open our series today, Luminous Loves, would you grab your Bibles, your phone Bible, your paper Bible, if you could see it in this place, to Matthew chapter 25 this morning. Matthew chapter 25, um, that's where we're going to be this morning. I'm excited. Lakeisha Simmons did great this morning, encouraging us, and she was wearing some cowboy boots. I don't know if you could see it at home, but she was wearing some cowboy boots. That D.C. woman became a Texan, right, Pastor Edgar? So there you go. You know, we're just converting them from one state to another, one, one person to another. We're growing somehow, baby. It's awesome, man. Well, it's good to be with you. I haven't preached in a couple weeks, so Peter did an amazing job a couple weeks ago. Pastor Austin uh, batted for me last Sunday, did a tremendous job as I was out. Uh, pray for our family. We've, we've all had the corona, man. We've had the corona, and it feels like I, I, for once, understand the families that have COVID. Not fully to the extent, but, man, it knocks you out. You're out for, like, two months with this quarantining and staying in your room and self-isolating, and I just need a pick-me-up. So, uh, anyway, but I know some of y'all are afraid to be near me because I had the corona, but nonetheless... Nonetheless, I, I pray for some grace this morning. I want to entitle today's sermon. Um, it's a sermon that's on my heart. It really defines probably the first 15 years of ministry in my life. I want to define it as the final hour. The final hour is what I want to talk about this morning with you for the moment that we have. And the final hour, if anybody grew up in the 90s, grew up in the 90s, the 90s were, were a product of this production called the Left Behind series. Anybody remember the Left Behind series? Some of you raise your hands. Some of you younger millennials, Gen Zs, raise your hands because your parents made you watch it. Just to, just to remind you, to scare you into heaven was the goal of the Left Behind series. We're going to scare you into heaven. We're going to scare you into church. And, man, it did just that for me. If you remember in the 90s, I was very much scared to death of the rapture. You know, the rapture, this is the theology set on the fact that in a moment, God's going to come up and he's going to take the chosen, the call, in a blink of an eye. And in left behind, they're driving these airplanes and all of a sudden the pilot's gone, so the airplane goes down. The cars, somebody disappears and the car wrecks and, and, and people just vanish and everybody's wondering, what happened? What's going on? And there was this left behind moment that those who are in Christ were going to be raptured out was the theology bent in the 90s, and it was very pervasive. It was in our face through videos, and i tell you what, man, I was scared. Anybody else? I was scared. I was like, man, I'm giving my life to Christ right now. Lord, please don't come back until I get married. Come on, Lord, I just want to have sex. You know, please don't do that. I mean, I'm just, I'm saying everything, right, you know? Everything, And I'm saying all these things like, Lord, please don't come back yet. The final hour. 
The final hour is this moment where us as Christians live with the idea that God could return at any moment for his people. The final hour means this, that there is a limited amount of time on this earth for those who are in Christ. And that God's going to come back and he's going to redeem and restore his earth to its original intent. Perfect and holy and pure, that it's going to be amazing. This is the final hour and every Christian longs for this moment, but it also gives us an urgency. How many know we have an urgency? Now, I'm not here to preach on whether I believe in rapture or not rapture, post-trip, pre-trip. That's not the point of today's sermon. But the moment is this, is that us as a church do have a finite amount of time. Whether you will take your last breath on this earth and then be, appear in heaven or the Lord will come, meet you in the air, whatever that looks like. There is a finite amount of time that we have on this earth. And in the final hour, what do we as Christians, as believers do with our final moments, with these, this limited amount of time that God has given us? And it's why we come to church most Sundays, because we are encouraging one another and helping move one another in our faith to be more like him and to live more purposeful in the kingdom. Amen? So whether you're playing a guitar or you're setting up children's, or you're hosting a life group, whatever you're doing, that you're doing it so the, the kingdom would be advanced, so that you would grow in your faith, that those in faith would grow in their faith, and that the lost would be found and come to know Christ. This is our mission. This is our vision. This is what we're called to do. It's, it's what we have done, and I just want to applaud you, Luminous, because I feel like you have really done an amazing job at this. You've lived it out. You've discipled people. You've hosted life groups. You've reached your neighbors. You invite your coworkers. You love them intentionally. Maybe you came this morning because you were invited by somebody in this room. You, you were invited. Maybe you're watching online and somebody shared this with you because they want you to hear the gospel. You see, you have done this so well. You show up at 7.30 on a Sunday to set up church to have church so that people can meet with God and so your family can meet with God, so your kids can hear the gospel, so that God would move in your life, so that if you are believing for a miracle, God may perhaps meet you in that moment to display himself and meet you in your despair, in your woe, in your weariness, in your heavy burden, that God would come and there would be hope for you and say that, hey, I got you. And just through corporate song, our spirits are lifted. And through the reading of the word, we're, we're moving into his likeness and his image. You see, we've been acting very sheepishly, haven't we, church? Sheepish, sheepishly is what I would say. Now, now, let me give you some context for that. Let's read Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me 
food, and I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did to the one of the least of these, my brothers, you did to me. See, we have been set apart as sheep for those who are living this mission of God in their final hour here on earth. That as you move, God begins to show up. And we know this because those who are recipients of grace give grace. We, when we have been loved so much and God has captured us and he's moved in us and we've received this grace, we just give grace freely because we, deserve, we got something that we didn't deserve. Grace, unmerited favor. Meaning you didn't earn it. It's not because you were so special, not because you were a good kid, not because you got good grades, not because you're a good husband or a good wife. It was given to you freely because he chose you, because he loves you. So I'm going to give grace to you. I'm giving this gift to you. And when you're a recipient of grace, it moves you to deed. It moves you to action. It moves you to give grace to wherever you go. You see, this is what God has done for us. And I grew up with this over my entire life. I grew up with this whole idea that God's given to me, so I need to give out. And I remember getting a 1988 Bronco II. <laughs> remember that? It's a little guy, Sean, the little one. And uh, I wanted the big one, but I got the little one, you know. And I, I remember getting this Bronco too, and I loved it. I was so excited for it. But then the air conditioner went out. And then the heater went out. And then my window wouldn't roll up. And so in a snowstorm, the snow would come through the window. <laughs> and, and it was this car that, that was hot in the summer, cold in the winter, and it didn't fare me too well on any dates in high school. I went on one date. I brought her a jacket and gloves, and she never went out with me again. Sorry. That's all I have. That's my heater. So when there was an opportunity to buy another car, a 1992 Tercel, an upgrade, if you will. Now, maybe not aesthetically upgraded, right? Because the outside looked a little small. And it was a coupe, right? Two doors. The Tercel was two doors. And it was a standard. But you know what this Tercel had? It had air conditioner. Air conditioner in West Texas when it's 105 degrees during the summer. I was praising God for this. I got this car for a steal of a deal from a friend. It was almost like a gift to me. And I drove this thing around. And I said, Lord, Whoever needs air conditioning is going to get a ride in my Tercel because they don't know how cold this AC is. So I started picking up random people on the road in West Texas and Midland. All the homeless people in Midland, all two of them, we, we found them. I would find them, and I would give them a ride, and I would make them go with me. You see, 
I dedicated that turf cell to the Lord. I remember being 20 years old with this car, and I said, Lord, I'm going to use this for your glory. This is something that I gave, was given, and I'm going to help take people around. So I'd pick up anybody who was sweating, and I would say, come get in the car. Come get in the car. Now, I don't encourage you to do that. Now, that could be a little dangerous. You may want to, you know, have a concealed or something. But, but nonetheless, it's what I did. It's just what the Lord has done to me. So I was just giving it away, giving it away in every way possible, making it a vessel for the Lord. You see, I was given grace, so I wanted to give grace away. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story where you received something or you earned something or there was something handed to you or maybe you saved up your money to get and you used it for God's glory? I, I was so excited. I, one of my first jobs was uh, janitoring at the church and I cleaned toilets for the glory of God. You, you know my story, a lot of you. And I remember cleaning toilets and there was a youth student. He was ninth grade. His name's Eric. And Eric was suffering through some anxiety and depression. Good-looking, athletic kid, super outgoing, and yet still had struggle, right? Because appearance on the outward is not necessarily what's going on in the inward. Don't assume the gospel in somebody's life. I mean, don't assume that they have it all together. Maybe God has put you in their life for a reason. I started diving into Eric's life and started discipling him and picking him up and taking him through the purple book. We, we hung out all the time. And there was this real low moment in his life where he broke up with his girlfriend. You know, that's devastating, right, as a ninth grader? It's like end of the world. He broke up with his girlfriend, and he was so down. I remember he was talking about a software to mix music all the time. It was called Reason. Anybody have Reason? Old school software with plugins. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So there were, it was one of the first computer softwares for, for musicians to engineer music. And he was talking about this all the time. And so the Lord prompted on me and said, you need to buy that software for him. So it was this moment that I, I spent an entire paycheck, $220 is how much reason was. And I went to go get him this software. I showed up at his door and just, I said, hey, man, I know you've been down, but I just want to let you know that God loves you. And I wanted to give you the software that you've been talking about all the time. And I wanted to gift it to you. Now, what does a ninth grader do when he receives something of value like that? You know, he's very grateful, very thankful. But it was this moment where I was like, man, God, I've received so much grace. I just want to give grace away. I just want to give love away. I just want to be a blessing to other people. Did you know, church, that you were created to be a blessing for other people? You were created to unlock destinies in people's lives. And there may be a moment where you pick up a ninth grader and all of a sudden you clothe them. All of a sudden you bring hope to them. All of a sudden you believe for their freedom of pornography addiction, of drug addiction, of all these things. You start giving yourself away to them. You start believing for them and God starts doing something in their life. And it's what God has created us to do. He's created us to be blessed by him so that we can be a blessing for others, so that we can love one another, so that we can move. In verse 41, it says this, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, 
and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. There's this moment where the enemy oftentimes will attack our very purpose and being. Where, where we know we're created to be a blessing. And we know that we have the inheritance of God. And we know that we have the promises of God because you were chosen and you're loved. And you know where you're going. And you know that you're going to spend eternity with him. You see, this verse is talking about those who don't even know him. Those who are far away from him. Those who don't know Christ. How can they feed him? How can they clothe him? How can they do these things unto the Lord? Because they don't even know him. But you know him. He's revealed himself to you. But what the enemy loves to do is he loves to put us back into our old nature. Our old self. He loves to do this, right? He'll do it all the time. And he'll do it with fear and manipulation. He'll start putting things inside of you so that you'll start acting on your own accord and your own interest instead of God's interest. He'll start manipulating you in such a way that if you don't connive your way to success, you'll never be success. He'll start moving in your worth where all of a sudden you start feeling like you're unworthy. Where you start feeling like you don't measure up and therefore you need to do things to feel worth. So you move into your old self. So instead of acting like sheep, we act more like goats. We act more like goats. Where we start moving in our own interests, in our own needs. What I want to tell you is, Jesus was saying, he knows the basic needs of humanity. He knows that you need food. He knows that you need drink. He knows that you need a house or a home. He knows you need clothes. He knows you need health, and he knows that you need freedom. But when the famine comes, when trials come, when COVID comes, career setbacks come, marriage struggles come, parenting struggles come, it has a tendency to move us back into our old nature, where we feel like God will not be provision for me and my basic needs, so I need to care about myself. It's the idiom, numero uno, right? Numero uno, I care about number one, and that's me. And we're fed this all the time. You see, when you go into your social media platforms, when you go into your comparisons of your friends and your friend circles, and you look at different moments, and you look at yourself, you start sizing yourself up, and you realize that, man, it takes a lot to get ahead. If I don't post more than them, then they'll get more likes, right? It seems silly, but it's something that we actually start to infatuate on. 
if I don't do this or I don't move in there, then I'm going to be left out. And so we created a goat-like mentality in our culture. Haven't we? A goat-like mentality. Remember this mentality, the greatest of all time? You see, who doesn't want to be a goat? I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to be the greatest of all time preachers. I want to be the greatest of all time husbands. I want to be the greatest of all time friends. I want to be the greatest of all time Instagram lovers. I want to be the greatest of all time. I'm going to be the greatest. But the challenge with the goat mentality, it's all about you. It's all about me being the goat. Me being the greatest. And at what cost? There's a lot of people who sold their souls to the devil so that they could be the goat. But God has called us to actually move and become sheep. And I get it, right? Because we all have different challenges and struggles. And and anything in famine, it tests where your allegiance is and what you really love. Uh, how many of you love toilet paper and famine? <laughs> Apparently everybody. Because they all take it. What, what do you love in famine? What do you love in, in these hard times and times of distress? And what I find is, is in times of pressure and times of famine and times of disease and times where the world seems all at us, we move into a goat mentality, but then we, our empathy level drops. And this happened for me. See, my empathy level has been really low as of late. Really low. The Lord started ministering to me in the summer, reminded me of how low my empathy was. You see, I started seeing people have different things come upon them, and I just kind of went, eh. I started seeing people struggle, and I just kind of went, eh. Yeah, you're like, wow, the pastor? Yes, the pastor. My empathy level started dropping. And then I started watching The Chosen. Did y'all see season two of The Chosen? And Jesus, the, the person portraying Jesus, was preparing for the Sermon on the Mount. And he was talking about the Beatitudes. And it was the nudge that I needed from the Lord in that season. You never know where it's going to come from. But the Lord loves you too much to leave you where you are. He loves you too much to leave you in your, in your unempathetic self, your self-pity, your self-sorrow, your goat-like mentality. He loves you too much to leave you there. He wants to move you because you're created to be a sheep and to follow, to be led by him, to green pastures, to a place where God will tend to your needs and meet you and show up. I started watching The Chosen. And what I realized is what the Lord said in there. He says, whatever you did to the least of these, you do to me. And Jesus reminded me that if you want to grow in God's heart for God's people, that you need to start being generous. You need to start being generous with the love that's inside of you. 
the love that I gave you, the, the unmerited grace that you gave, you need to start being generous with it. I'm reminded of Matthew 10, 30, and I'll summarize this passage for us. But it's the good Samaritan. And you may remember in Matthew 10 that there's a robber who's, who's robbed, left for dead on the side of the road. Everything was taken from him. And it was a road that many people traveled on. And Jesus was telling this parable. I don't know if it was a real life incident that he came across or saw. But he tells it as a story, as a parable, if you will. And he says there's a Levite who's walking on the road and he sees the man left for dead. And he walks on the other side of the road, low empathy. And then there was this Pharisee who was coming and saw the man left for dead on the side of the road. And the, 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 when the Pharisee walks by, he sees the half-stripped, dead man right there struggling. And he just walks on by and doesn't help. And both of these people in the Christian faith, as we read about the Pharisee and the Sadducee and the Levite and these people who are all trying to get to God and trying to be perfect, trying to put their best foot forward, would be equivalent to the pastors in the church today and the worship leaders in the church today. And they were in this mindset where they said, you know what, that's really inconvenient for me. I could taint my clothing. I could get my hands dirty. That could affect my image. That could affect my likes and my likability in the outlets socially that they were in. But then a Samaritan comes by. The least likely. The Samaritan, the one that the Jews despised, the, the ethnicity that they didn't really like or care for, the ones that they treated as second-class people, second-class citizens, Samaritan comes by. And Jesus loved to always say that those you think are least are actually very precious in my eyes. I want to tell you what he does. He goes and he takes the man and he bandages his wounds and puts them on his own donkey and takes him to the inn and gives enough money to take care of that Samaritan or of that person who was robbed and said, hey, I'm going to come back in a few days to check on him because this isn't just a checklist for me, but I want to make sure that he's doing well, so I'll be back to check on him. And he was generous, and he started taking care of him. This is what God has called us to do. As we are luminous loves and we love the people around us, our community, our college students, all those around us that God has put around us. You see, for Ben Chapman, the goat always has to die. And I have to put it in check all the time. And the best way for me to do this is to be generous. And when I see a man beat up, that I would go tend to his needs, that I'd bandage some wounds, that I would care for him, that I would love him, that I would give to him that I'd bless them. It's for me, it was taking my car and picking up random strangers. Don't do that. But for me, it's that. I saw a lady walking on the road the other day. I said, I got to pick her up. You see, for me, it's just about opening 
and using every opportunity to love the need that's in front of me because what happens is my heart starts to become more like it was created in alignment with him. See, sheep are in alignment with the Father. This is what God wants for you, to be in alignment with him, to be more like him. In this 1992 Tercel, I was picking up random strangers. There was an older man walking, white hair, white beard, and he was walking. I pulled up next to him. I said, hey, man, you need a ride? He goes, no, thanks. Come on, man, it's hot out here. You need a ride? No, no, not right now. Come on, please, do you need a ride? I got AC in here. I said, all right, all right. So he gets in the car, and I do my best to try to share the gospel with them, try to share my faith with them. And he starts telling me about his history, and he says, you know, you go to mid-cities, right? I said, yes, I go to mid-cities. He goes, my son is the pastor of that church. I go, what? Your son's the pastor? Pastor Russ Austin. He goes, yeah, my son's the pastor. He's doing great. I haven't seen him in a long time. What I later connected is that my pastor's father was an alcoholic who was abusive, who went on the streets and started roaming the streets, homeless. And that day, I had an opportunity to pick up my pastor's father, who he hadn't seen in a very long time. And he told me to tell him hi. Hey, when you see him, will you tell him I said hi? I said, absolutely. And I was reminded in this moment that the Lord allowed me to share his love with a stranger to give a ride to a person I didn't know. And that is the that is what's doing it unto the Lord, being a blessing unto him. But what was awesome is I got to tell my pastor, hey, I picked up your dad and I got him a drink and I gave him a ride. And my pastor said, thanks for doing that. It's really great. It's awesome knowing that people are taking care of him. I got to do that for my pastor as well. To love his dad for a moment. To give him an update. As God moves us, he's reminding us that we need to move and submit to him and walk in his likeness. And whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto the Father. And maybe you do it to somebody around you or somebody who's praying for that person, somebody who's believing for that person. I can't tell you, Eric's parents can't stop thanking me. To this day, they still give to Luminous Church. Because they're like, man, we're so grateful you loved our son when he was in ninth grade and he had a hard time. See, whatever you do, at least these you do to the Father, you do to the glory of God. But you're also an answer to prayer to the people around you. There's people praying for the people around you, for neighbors, for college students. There's people praying for the elderly. There's people praying for the homeless on the streets. There's people praying and believing for them. There's people praying and believing for marriages and believing that God's going to show up. You see, all we are called to do is love out loud and love the, those who don't even deserve love to love them. 
And so my question for you this morning is, where are you? Are you acting like a sheep? Have you been a blessing to others? Or are you acting like a goat where all you've been caring about is yourself? And if that's the case, start being generous. Start giving. Ask God to soften your heart. Ask him to mold you and shape you and to move inside of you. Ask him to do something amazing. And repent for being in yourself. Romans 2, 4 says this. Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? God is kind. And his kindness is shown to other people. And through that kindness, it leads into a life of repentance and life change to be more like him. Repentance is the first key to have a relationship with the Father. To turn away from your ways and to start going his. If you would, close your eyes with me and bow your heads as I begin to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're in a place where you don't know God's kindness and his goodness. Maybe you've been a little jaded and a little hurt and a little frustrated. Maybe your empathy level is going down. I want to encourage you to repent. Simply means turn away from going your own way. From having fellowship with yourself in the world and say, God, I want to start having fellowship with you. Lord, I'm going to lay down something today. I'm leaving something in the chair that I'm in. I'm leaving something of myself. I'm leaving my selfishness. I'm leaving my addiction. I'm leaving my doubts. I'm leaving the thing that I thought would save but doesn't. I'm leaving it here in the seat. And I'm turning towards you and I'm trusting you that when I walk out of this seat this morning, that I'm new that I'm going to start loving you, start trusting you, start walking in your way. I'm going to lay down my cross. I'm going to lay down my mission. I'm going to lay down my personal agenda. And I'm going to start picking up your cross and your burden and your mandate for my life. Father, I just thank you for Luminous Church. And I thank you for every person who came today. I pray, Holy Spirit, for a measure of unmerited grace to fall upon them, that they would know you, that they would love you, that they would seek you. And Lord, I'm praying that you would just fill them up with your joy and your compassion. And God, you would fill them up with provision and assurance. I love that the gospel is assurance. The gospel is assurance. God, it's what brings us the confidence that we walk in, the love that we have for one another. So, Lord, would you do that? Would you deposit that this morning in a great measure, in a great way? And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name.